This podcast was recorded on Thursday, April 4th at 12.43 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. Jody Wilson-Raybould and Jane Philpot, Philpot are no longer members of the Liberal Caucus. The trust that previously existed between these two individuals and our team has been broken. Whether it's taping conversations without consent or repeatedly expressing a lack of confidence in our government and in me personally as leader, it's become clear that Ms. Wilson-Raybould and Dr. Philpott can no longer remain part of our Liberal team. And with that, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau tried to turn the page from a scandal that has plagued his government for nearly two months. The pressure had been building on him to do this for the last several days. Jody Wilson-Raybould yeah. should be gone. Gone. Should have been gone long ago. Over the last eight weeks, it has been a terribly negative trajectory for the Liberal Party of Canada. The Prime Minister's personal approval numbers have dipped to a 12-month low. The party isn't doing much better. If an election were held tomorrow, the Conservatives would receive 40% of the decided popular vote. The Liberals would get 30%. The Conservatives are polling into majority territory, something that we haven't seen. After Jody Wilson-Raybould released a secret recording of a conversation she had with the clerk of the Privy Council... Hello, Michael, it's Jody. Her Liberal colleagues slammed her methods. Uh, she was trying to entrap him. The fact that your uh, tape recording, the... Uh, clerk of the Privy Council without him knowing. I think this is something that is fundamentally wrong. It's really tough when you've got a member of your team who has behaved in a certain way and is kind of questioning the leadership of someone that you personally believe in. Trudeau pointed to the recording as a key reason for expelling his two former star cabinet ministers, Wilson Raybould and Jane Philpott. When that cabinet minister is the Attorney General of Canada secretly recording the clerk of the Privy Council, it's unconscionable. The opposition views it differently. They say the axe fell on the whistleblowers, women who'd become obstacles in the liberal storyline that no improper influence had been leveled on the Attorney General. This is about two strong individuals who saw something that was wrong and decided to stand up to it. So why does speaking truth to power disqualify you from sitting as a liberal? What message is the Prime Minister sending to Canadians, particularly to young women, when he kicks out former cabinet ministers just for doing the right thing? Both Philpott and Wilson-Raybould maintain they did nothing wrong and have every reason to hold their heads up high. I am, to put it lightly, disappointed. And I would say that um, if you stand up for what you believe is right and you hold strong to your principles, um, the truth and principles must always come first. I could not come out here in good conscience and deny it because I believed uh, what the former Attorney General said. I'm Althea Raj, and this is Follow Up, a HuffPost Canada politics podcast. This week, the banishment of Jody Wilson-Raybould and Jane Philpott. Was it all avoidable? Will it put the whole SNC-Lavalin affair to rest? And what does it mean for other MPs who speak out? Is there room for dissent in the Liberal Party of Canada? 
We sit down with Crown and Indigenous Relations Minister Carolyn Bennett and longtime Ontario Liberal MP John McKay. That conversation is next. The other part of this that we're learning about is that the conditions that Jody Wilson-Raybould gave to the Prime Minister were in a number of conversations, communications, that went on for weeks and weeks. I would um, have liked all along to have the Prime Minister come forward and accept some responsibility and to apologize to Canadians for what happened. From the beginning, I have uh, tried to suggest that the way to deal with this is to speak the truth, uh, to admit that uh, mistakes were made, uh, to apologize to Canadians for it and find out how it happened and make sure it never happens again. I deeply respect that the uh, former Attorney General uh, felt that the, uh, the, that there was uh, inappropriate pressure put on her. I respect that, but I disagree. Um, we've worked for uh, a number of weeks over the past while to try and uh, come together on a on a, a path forward that would uh, restore some of the trust that had been eroded. And uh, unfortunately, it was obvious that we weren't able to do that. I'm Carolyn Bennett. I'm the Member of Parliament for Toronto St. Paul's and the Minister of Crown Indigenous Relations. And I'm John McKay. I'm a Member of Parliament for Scarborough Guildwood and Chair of the Public Safety Committee. I wanted to start off by asking... I guess if you think the decision to kick Jody Wilson-Raybould and Jane Philpott out of caucus was the right decision. I think it was the only decision in that I think um, that uh, over the weeks, I think the caucus really uh, became more and more clear and there was more and more of a consensus that they didn't trust uh, um, having them in our caucus and um, and that it, that this was the right thing to do. I agree with that, um, and there was a consensus uh, in caucus, which was, um, I won't say it's cl- unanimous, but it's close to unanimity, and um, and it was uh, one of the times I was quite thankful that the caucus uh, really stood behind the Prime Minister in the decision that he ultimately made. Did you think it was important for the Prime Minister to make that decision, or did you feel caucus should have had a vote? I don't think the caucus never has votes, um, at least I'm, I'd be corrected by Carolyn, but I don't ever recollect a vote in caucus. Um, uh, consensus did develop, and um, the consensus was quite clear. So uh, ultimately, it was the prime minister's decision, though. What was the breakdown in trust? Like, what, in your view, made it impossible for them to remain part of the liberal team? I think that at the beginning, um, after the story broke, there was a real upset um, that the minister wasn't able to say that she supported the prime minister. Uh, and then I think it just went badly after that. I think the testimony um, and then ultimately the fact that she taped the clerk uh, of the Privy Council, that that really was the turning point that uh, everybody just thought that that was, was completely unacceptable. But that's Jody Wilson-Raybould. What about Jane Philpott? I think um, my sense of it is that uh, Jane felt... Uh, uh, some sense of honor or solidarity with um, with uh, Jody Wilson Rabo and um, and felt that on the basis of what primarily um, she had received from Jody that um, this was uh, an honorable thing to do um, and in 
at some level there is an there is a significant issue but um, I don't see um, the primary actor as Jane rather I see the primary actor as uh, Jody Wilson Raybould but I think that when Jane came to caucus two weeks ago um, uh, on the Wednesday uh, morning caucus and uh, and uh, explained her her points of view um, you know she she ended up with uh, you know uh, a response from members of caucus, but what happened over the the two day voting marathon was that the article in McLean's came out that Thursday morning, and caucus was incensed. In Jane Philpott's interview with McLean's, she told journalist Paul Wells that there's much more to the story that should be told, and there's been an attempt to shut down the story. Some of the things in um, that article had not been raised with caucus, so people felt betrayed. I'd agree with that um, viewpoint. If you, you'd have to be as dull as dull gets to not understand the the view of caucus. I think that she um, may have felt that people didn't want her in caucus. I think that we tried to explain, no, people would prefer that you be a member of the team supporting the prime minister, um, and that hadn't happened. I think that people in the room um, and in our caucus, have lived through leadership, you know, sub, <laughs> Amen you to know, that. Sub, <laughs> subterranean <laughs> battles before, and some even uh, um, Turner, Chrétien, Chrétien, Martin, uh, this is, you know, and I think a lot of people f- saw the, the letter to Vancouver Granville as the launch of a leadership campaign, and, and they didn't like it. But I also think that there's a thing in caucus that, when I think most of us had been per, you know, persuaded there were two legal avenues and a difference of opinion, um, that for members of caucus to be put out as the only ethical members of the caucus, I, that hurts people. And, 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 and I think people really did reflect. Are, are they saying we're not ethical? And uh, it was hurtful. The other thing that I thought came out over the course of the caucus meetings was the uh, willingness of a number of members over difficult files over the previous three years to support Jane and Jody. Um, and, um, and you mean they were, cannabis, medically oh, assisted cannabis dying? Cannabis and, and medical assisted um, uh, dying. Um, and people who had very strong views, um, contrary to the legislation that was ultimately put forward. Um, and strong views to the point where it was actually costing them electoral support. And they felt that they had gone to the wall for, um, for both of them. And, um, and here they were um, uh, having a political price to pay for what is an arguable point, to say the least. Okay, let's talk about that arguable point. The Prime Minister came out in February after the Globe and Mail article saying to Canadians that there had been no pressure um, and that there, he was out there to save possibly SNC-Lavalin jobs and that um, he felt that it was not inappropriate for PMO staff to ask the Attorney General to consider a second opinion. Do you agree that... Uh, that is ethical because now the discussion is not about whether it was criminal or not, but whether it was the eth- 
ethical for him and for PMO staff to even remotely breach the topic with the AG. So I would say on that first article that the article, the point of the article was that she had been moved because of this. And I think that um, it was clear in Jerry's testimony that that this wasn't the issue. And I think in this Jerry's, is Jerry Butts, the Jerry principal Butts, secretary. And in his text messages, quite often SNC wasn't wasn't even raised in some of those messages between the two of them. I think the it actually was not raised in any of the text messages that he tabled. <laughs> so I think that in um, you can't, as a minister, take a decision in a vacuum. You need your deputy ministers appoint, appoint. You need lots, and then when we when you're having trouble, quite often you do get a second opinion. So I don't. I think in this, it it was legitimate to be having healthy conversations about two different paths. It was clear all the way along that it was going to be her decision as to as to the way that 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 the government proceeded. I think that for some people to think that two conversations a month over a period of four months is not that's, that's undue not pressure, pressure um, <laughs> compared to I think what a lot of people feel, and even yeah. during during medical assistance in dying or cannabis. I mean, how how much how many interventions had been made you know, before a decision was taken? So um, this is uh, I think, and I think right now people are really upset if it's true um, that one of the criteria for going forward was that the prime minister's office would direct the next. Attorney General to not um, issue a DPA. Okay, that, well, that is that, that's that, not political interference. Let, let, <laughs> that is that is illegal. Let me let me go at <laughs> okay. it. Let me go at it another way. I practiced law for 22 years. Major law firms have senior counsel for good reason, um, and that's because uh, people have practiced law for a long time and know that the law is not necessarily just quite the way it is in black letter law, shall we say. Um, here you had a, a new piece of legislation, never been used in Canada before. If you read the piece of legislation, there is no guidance as to how this is to be applied. The law is entirely silent. And you had the offer of the senior jurist in Canada, Bev McLaughlin, to uh, opine on what could be considered and what couldn't be well, considered. I don't know that it was an offer. Like I, I don't know that Beverly McLaughlin offered herself, but the no, no, Prime Minister's no, office was yes. suggesting. That's why. And, and the law does make it clear that Ms. Wilson-Raybould, acting as the AG, can take over a prosecution and can direct as long as it's done publicly and clearly yeah. and gazetted. Um, but it, the law also says that she is allowed to consult her cabinet colleagues. It doesn't say in the law that the Prime Minister is allowed to ask the AG to consider yeah, but X, if Y, you, and But if you just read the section in the, in the code, it's without guidance, shall we say. And in, in a precedent-setting situation, you want to get it as right as you possibly can the first time around. And, um, and that seemed to me the position of the Prime Minister. Um, and the second thing, the second point I want to make is that if you are going to launch a prosecution, uh, which let's be clear about this, uh, a Crown attorney had said there was a reasonable chance of a, of, a, of a conviction. If you're going to launch a prosecution, you want to make sure that the people that are uh, going to ultimately pay for this conviction are the people you want paying for the conviction. So. Um, 
employees, shareholders, pensioners, and the taxpayers. Every prosecutor goes through that concern in every criminal case. And it wasn't evident to me that that actually was a consideration. But you I, both don't think that it was inappropriate for the prime minister to and PMO staff to continue engaging the attorney general on this question when she says, and the prime minister acknowledged, admits that he heard her say that this was her decision, like she had already made her decision in September. Absolutely. This is a very significant case. And if you don't get it right, um, it will it will have uh, precedential values. I was also very, very impressed with the, you know, in the taped interview that Michael Wernick, um, not even knowing he was being taped, um, was so professional and so clear that it was ultimately her decision. But had she considered all of the tools, legal tools in her toolbox? You know, I think that a lot of people felt really upset with the script that she had had for that. That It, uh, it did look a little like a script. Well, yeah, I oh, mean... You both feel like it- We've heard some people say that they think it was entrapment. Do you think she recorded the call on purpose? Well, I, uh, I've talked to someone who has had extensive police experience, and, um, and he felt that, uh, that there was a, a bit of a setup going on here. I, mean, I, I think I was most upset by the line about protecting the prime minister. I, I just don't think that that's at all, um, you know, uh, I, um, accurate, shall we say. We'll be back with uh, Minister Carolyn Bennett and Liberal MP John McKay. News of Jody Wilson-Raybould and Jane Philpott's ouster from caucus reverberated among the 338 young women who gathered in the House of Commons this week for a program called Daughters of the Vote. Here's some of what the delegates told us. My name is Winona Northpigan. I'm Blackfoot from Treaty 7 territory in southern Alberta and a member of the Begunny Nation, and I'm a Daughters of the Vote delegate. I've been following it pretty closely for the last few weeks, and even though if I don't agree with Jody Wilson-Raybould's all of her policies, I definitely support her as a fellow Indigenous woman. So I wasn't that surprised that it happened, but I think we were just surprised that it happened while he was about to address us the next day. I think it was a very controversial and frankly dumb move for him to do. My name is Mithila Mia Jaganathan. I represent Brampton South. I have hopes for Trudeau. He was the first prime minister to have like a half cabinet that was filled with women. Um, but I do expect better of him. What he did wasn't right. Um, vilifying two women in the media, especially considering that women in politics is already very rare. But I don't know. We'll see. I have hope in him. Look, teensy bit left over. My name is Taylor Bain-Tacoza. I'm Dene from the Fort Nelson First Nation in Treaty 8 territory. Um, I am representing the Prince George Peace River Northern Rockies riding here at Daughters of the Vote. Yeah, there was some conversation happening after the Liberals' announcement to remove Jody Wilson-Raybould from the Liberal caucus. We knew we wanted to do something and standing up was kind of what we agreed on. Um, like the Prime Minister came into a room of 338 women from across the country and 
it was a way for us to say that like we're coming, we're the next leaders, we're going to be here, and a way to say that we support um, Jody and we don't support him. Hi, my name is Cameron Anderson. I'm coming from Winnipeg, Manitoba. I go to the University of Manitoba and I'm representing Brandon Suris. I did stay in my seat. We were fairly close to him and out of respect, I wouldn't want, I appreciate the movement. I personally find other ways to show how I feel, but I totally respect every girl who did choose to get out of their seat. Um, I personally just chose to stay in mine just due to how close we were. Um, however, I still support Jody. I think she's an amazingly strong woman, and I think she's going to thrive no matter where she is placed. Dr. Bennett, Crown and Indigenous Relations Minister, uh, Carolyn Bennett, and John McKay, the Liberal MP for scarborough Gilwood. Dr. Bennett, you mentioned a little bit earlier uh, the news that we learned this week that um, uh, while all this issue was playing out in the media, um, and I guess uh, in the hallways of Parliament, um, that Jody Wilson-Raybould and Jane Philpott, but it seems like it was mostly Jody Wilson-Raybould leading the charge here, was in negotiations with the Prime Minister's office. Sources say Wilson-Raybould wanted Trudeau to fire his principal secretary, Gerald Butts, the clerk of the Privy Council, Michael Wernick, and PMO senior advisor, Mathieu Bouchard. Wilson-Raybould sought assurances that new Attorney General David Lametti would not direct prosecutors to give SNC-Lavalin a deferred prosecution agreement. And she wanted the Prime Minister to admit, either to caucus or in public, that his office acted inappropriately in its attempts to convince her to consider granting SNC-Lavalin a DPA. Does that change your perception of your former colleagues? Uh, well, I am. I, I, I think um, that revelation, I think, has really um, enraged people that the, the, in terms of she says that she quit um, because of interference in the decision of an attorney general. Um, and now she was directing the PMO to direct the next um, Attorney General. It, it is unbelievable. It's the height of arrogance when you think about it. Like she leaves cabinet, she issues a manifesto, she says, by the way, I'm getting a lawyer. Then she, ha then she gets an unprecedented waiver of confidentiality, um, gives, what, four hours worth of testimony, um, and then, uh, you know, towards, uh, and then there's a huge exchange of, of, um, of evidence, and then towards the end, if this is true, and we don't know that it's true, she imposes conditions on the Prime Minister, uh, which includes an apology which is for which he doesn't feel he needs to make an apology. Okay, I'm going to say that... I I have the same information. Uh, the Prime Minister's office is not denying that this uh, did happen, but it's not at the end. It's all through the last two months, basically, have been about trying to appease Jody Wilson-Raybould, appease is my word, yeah. and um, Jane Philpott and ensuring that they remain part of caucus. But, but have you in any uh, of your wildest imaginations of, of cabinet ministers leaving 
um, seen such a uh, a trail of um, conditions and uh, and statements and uh, veiled threats, et cetera. I, I, it, to me, it's remarkable, and I think when uh, when we step back from it, and maybe when history is written, it will be one of the more remarkable um, cabinet resignations ever. Do you think the prime minister should have just kicked them out of caucus like seven weeks ago? Um, I think other prime ministers probably would have moved more quickly, but to his credit, he has tried to do politics differently. And he has made, from what we see in the public realm and what he's said to us as caucus members, that that he's made enormous efforts uh, to uh, reconcile with both of them. And uh, they, at this point, the, um, the reconciliation is for naught. So um, I, guess, uh, I guess this is the, uh, the in effect, it, it, uh, it's a cost for him to, um, to have proceeded in the way he, he's proceeded. And, um, and I don't know whether if he was faced with a similar situation, he would, uh, he would, he would proceed in the same fashion. You mentioned the cost. Um, we've seen the Liberal numbers plummet um, over the last two months. The Prime Minister's personal numbers have taken a big toll, especially when it relates to trust. Um, we've heard uh, Indigenous leaders uh, speak out about the impact of the decision because Jody Wilson-Raybould was such an important figure in the Indigenous community. The Liberal Party of Canada, and particularly the Prime Minister, are complete phonies in regard to the reconciliation agenda. Do you think the Liberal Party will take a large hit because of what has happened over the past two months? Well, I think that the Liberal Party and I think all of us want to get back talking about the things that really matter and that that uh, that polling at this time really it's I don't think is uh, something that is seen as significant. It really is. How do we understand that Canada is warming at twice the rate of the rest of the world, our north three times the rate of the rest of the world? How do we, how do we make sure that, uh, that, again, that people have the skills they need to work in a new economy? This is, uh, this is exciting stuff. We've done such good things, and including reconciliation, that, you know, that, you know whether, whatever... You know, the meetings I'm in, people quietly take me aside and say, we want you reelected. Um, because that what happened? Because you just had a meeting with chiefs before us. <laughs> and and uh, we want to work with you into your next mandate. Yes. And I think that this is because there's never been um, a more open door to self-determination, to to the kind of, of, of investments. This is... This is an exciting time as we move out from under the Indian Act and move into decolonizing and uh, and uh, and nation to nation and government to government. And it's uh, um, so um, you know I think that there are um, there are hard feelings. Tony Wilson Raybould was a very important um, uh, 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 like person in the in the history of Canada uh, the first indigenous person as the Minister of Justice this is this is exciting and that won't change 
Um, but but and and a lot of the young people do look up to her, and and I hope we'll still be able to. You know, I think we just want to get back to work. Because yeah. we also the, heard from the young qu- women. But the question yeah. was, uh, did it do political damage? And it did. And it has. And I don't think there's much doubt about that. Um, but, you know, every every government, every government goes through periods where um, if the election was called today, there would be significant political damage. I don't think that that's the case here. And I think Carolyn's absolutely right. This government has done really, really impressive work for the last three years. And um, if... If the the question becomes, if the ballot question becomes, do you uh, do you like full employment? Uh, do you like uh, prosperity? Do you like uh, some real movement on climate change? Um, then we'll be all fine. I think we'll do perfectly well. But if in fact uh, the, the uh, conservatives um, are able to maintain this this particular narrative, I think uh, there well, are the, some the trust question because a lot of people think the prime minister lied when he said that there was no pressure. But I think uh, Carolyn's right again to say that um, you know as the facts come out. Um, over time, there will be a more measured and mature judgment um, about the, the uh, Prime Minister's um, um, ability to be trusted. I want to end on this question, because uh, I am aware that I'm speaking to two longtime Liberal MPs from the Toronto area, yeah. <laughs> um, and whose seats probably are not necessarily in jeopardy, but you're also pretty independent thinkers um, in caucus who don't necessarily always agree, perhaps more really? John than Caroline <laughs> here. Um, but you know, a lot of people have phrased this discussion as just uh, caucus colleagues dissenting. Is this really an issue about the inability to dissent within the Liberal caucus? No, no absolutely not. And I'll, I'll give you a specific illustration. You remember the tax um, fuss we had, what, two summers ago? Two summer? Small business. There was <laughs> war in caucus. I mean, really war. People lining up at the microphone saying, this is the worst thing that ever happened. And that was dissent. And um, and it didn't. It's not as if it doesn't kind of squeeze out from time to time. Um, but still, it was dissent. By the end of the day, we all got behind what needed to be uh, gotten behind. The minister made some significant uh, changes, um, and we moved forward. And who hears about that now? That is dissent, and that is vigorous debate within a caucus. And I, I think this caucus is able to do that. I, I totally agree, and I think that it's because the Prime Minister really has that sort of leadership style of asking, not telling. He, he, uh, is, uh, he is amazing in terms of titanium on his, in his spine for the principled values part, but then willing to listen and always take on new ideas. And democracy is messy. It's really messy. Dictatorships are really tidy. Um, and, and so we as the Liberal Party have always looked a little messy um, because we entertain dif- diverse... Uh, <laughs> well, you have been entertaining us. Yeah, yes, yeah. Yes, well, yeah. we don't want to be nice that entertaining. That. Yeah, we yeah. just want to actually, actually be able to... You know, and that's what evidence-based means. It means expertise, lived experience, coming together, the best possible decision for the the most people or the people who need it most. And that's what we do, and it takes a bit of a conversation. Thank you for having this conversation with me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Carolyn Bennett is the Minister of Crown and Indigenous Relations, and John McKay is a Liberal MP from Toronto. 
And that's our show. If you enjoyed this episode on Apple Podcast, please leave us a review. You can always reach me through Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. My handle is at Althea Raj. That's A-L-T-H-I-A-R-A-J. A big thank you this week to Ottawa reporter Zan Lum, who helps me produce this show, and to Laura Howells, our lovely audio producer. Andre Lau is our executive producer. I'm Althea Raj. We will be off for several weeks as I work on other projects. We will be back in your feed in May. Well, unless something really big happens. (laughs) Have a great weekend.